Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. Today I'm joined by Robert Mills. Hello, Robert. Hello, Ian. Thanks for having me again. No problem. Friend of the show, Robert Mills. Yeah, it's the third time now, third or fourth, anyway. I've lost count. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, it's plenty of times and it's good to have you back. Today we're going to talk about, well, we're, you're going to give us a bit of a recap on who you are and what you do, but once that's over and done with, we're going to talk a bit about um, how we present ourselves online. Now, that's something that we have talked about before on the podcast, but I think we're going to talk about it more in the context of being a freelance writer, um, and being talking about businesses, and I'm going to talk a little bit about um, how you react to reviews and being conscious of what you put online and how it might stay there forever and that kind of thing. Um, so uh, that all sounds good. And before we get there, Rob, tell us a bit more about yourself. Uh, I'm a studio manager for a design agency called Blue Egg in South Wales. Um, I'm a journalism graduate and a writer. Uh, I've written a book called Design in the Invisible um, and write for... Um, magazines and blogs uh, that are linked to the web industry as well. Marvellous. And I should say at this point that um, although Rob tells me he can't hear it himself, it is very windy where I'm sat. I don't normally sit here to do the podcast. I normally sit in a slightly more secluded place. But um, I'm, I'm next to a window and it's kind of, we're on the third floor of our house. Um, there are only three floors. It's not a mansion, don't worry. And um, it's really windy and I don't know where the winds come from. And I'm on, we're on top of a hill, lots of hills in Sheffield. And um, it's quite windy, so if you can hear that, folks, I do apologise. Um, hopefully it will die down over the course of the recording. So, let's start. Now, you're, you're updating your blog, which is what prompted you to, um, to um, uh, think about talking about this subject. So, what's going through your head at the moment as you're redesigning your website? Um, it was just... Uh, I was just starting to think about what I wanted to put on the on the site. I've got a really basic blog at the moment, um, and I just I wasn't really too happy with it. But uh, in terms of how it looked and um, the content that was on there, and so I found myself not really blogging, uh, and I was I've kind of been using it as a bit of an excuse. So I thought, right, let, let's just um, get that redesigned, tick that box, and hopefully, if, if I'm uh, happier with you know the blog itself and how it looks and maybe I'll actually write more um, so I've been working with a designer um, called Chris Allwood in Nottingham who um, arranged an event that I spoke at uh, in January that was um, second Wednesday so I've been working with Chris and um, I've just been emailing him my thoughts on um, what I wanted the new blog to look like and uh, he's been incredible in turning those uh, rambling emails into exactly what was in my head uh, so we've got a, a a visual signed off now. Uh, we've got a design signed off, and Chris is moving on to the build. And uh, and so now I really need to start kind of. Um, we've, we've got content there based on the existing site, but I've really had to start thinking about, um, you know, what do I want to share and what do I want to say. Um, and it, so it just got me um, thinking about what I can say and what I can share, bearing in mind that I'm mostly using the blog to try and push myself as a freelance writer but I've also got a uh, you know a full-time job I'm you know I'm someone's employee as well uh, and then I've noticed on Twitter as well I seem to have noticed it more lately I'm not sure if there's a reason for that but a lot of people with their personal Twitter accounts kind of um, putting in their bio you know these are my thoughts and they're not affiliated with my employer you know uh, 
you know things like that kind of just making it clear that you know uh the tweets are just for them and not related in any way to those that employ them uh and it, it just got me thinking about the kind of the boundaries between uh your freelance self and your employed self um mm. yeah that was it really no no i think that i and i think it's really interesting it's something that i've definitely had to think about and make decisions on in the past so in my um well I guess in my current job as well but but, but mainly in my in my previous job I I did do some freelance work outside of work but it it wasn't very much and it never felt like something I particularly wanted to shout about because I wasn't in a position where I wanted to kind of welcome lots of freelance work it wasn't like I was trying to pursue a freelance career outside of work but if something came along and it paid well and it was good experience and I thought I might enjoy it then I would take the job on and I would do it in my spare time after work yeah. But I decided, um, my decision was to not really talk about that partly because I was worried that it would reflect badly on the company I was working for, mainly in the sense that if I was going on about, look at this fantastic work I've done, it would somehow, by by the same token, imply that I wasn't putting the same amount of effort in or I didn't care as much about the work I was doing, doing during the day at my, at my full-time job. But you said to me before we started that you actually have the blessing of of your of the company you work for that you you know they're they're fine with you doing this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean I'm really lucky with Blue Egg because I was um, I was doing freelance writing and uh, had written the book before I started working there, so they knew um, that that was something that I um, that I was doing and I wanted to keep on doing. And luckily for me, they they didn't they weren't scared by that. They actually saw that as um, an asset because obviously by uh, by writing and things, you know, whenever I'm in um, .NET Magazine, for example, or on Smash and Mag, uh, there's always a link to Blue Egg in the bio, you know. So I think they saw that it, it could benefit them as well, as long as it doesn't interfere with my day job. You know, I think if uh, if it did, uh, you know, kind of affect the work I was doing for them, then understandably they might be a bit miffed. Um, and so that's up to me to kind of balance that. Uh, so I'm very lucky that they support that, and, and they'll tweet. Um, you know, if I do some freelance work, they'll tweet a link to it. Um, you know, and they would recommend me. So I'm really grateful that I've got that support there. Um, I don't think I could work somewhere if they didn't allow me to do that because freelance is important for you know. There's obviously financial gains from it, uh, but just in terms of um, trying to raise my profile uh, in the in the industry anyway, um, and just you know being able to write, which is what I I love doing fear that most um, full-time employees would have if you're if your day job is as a writer um then you're doing writing outside of work that you know that i guess the theory is that they would worry that you were then going to try and afford your way out of the company but i agree with you i don't think it necessarily has to be like that that at all the work that i did outside of work the freelance work that i took on was hugely complementary to what i was doing um, in my day job and they kind of the two things ended up dovetailing quite well and the same goes really for the podcast and the blog and all of the stuff that I do to promote my own work, it all helps um, build on the skills that I've got during the day job. And, and the reality is, in my, my current work, where I, where I am now at uh, Hallam University, the, the work I do now um, is, I guess, 70% um, influenced by the stuff that I did outside of work, that I learned myself, things that I took the time to 
kind of discover and research and find out about a lot of the some of most of which I, I didn't get paid for. So obviously I I don't didn't get paid for doing any of the blog work or or the countless hours I spent trying to set up WordPress and work out how the hell it all worked. I didn't get paid for any of that, but it's actually really benefited me in the job that I'm in now because I'm doing those kinds of things with um, clients and companies um, and, and helping them do those things. And it was only because I did stuff outside of work that I'm able to do that now. So I don't necessarily agree with the idea that oh, if you're doing stuff outside of work as a freelance writer, then you're trying to get out of the company you work for. I think, I, I you know, I would, like you, I would hope that most companies would... Um, um, if, if not encourage it, then at least either understand and kind of support it in a way that, 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 that they understood that it was benefiting them as well. Yeah, I mean, I know of um, a couple of agencies in South Wales where um, they don't really like their staff doing freelance work, whether it's writing or design and so on. And that just makes that kind of makes me question um, how secure they are in themselves and their business and as a team, how well they get on and things. You know, if they're if they think that one little project's going to mean that you know that person's going to jump ship and so on, then maybe there's other issues there that need addressing. You know, but you do have to have your common sense about you. I, you know, I would never take on a freelance project uh, if I felt that it was there was a conflict of interest with obviously um, Blue Egg and any of our clients there, or what you know what we do as an agency. Um, but again, I'm lucky that I get on so well with the guys that you know they know my freelance projects. I talk to them about it quite openly. Um, you know, I mean, I. I I'm sat in a studio with designers and yet I've got somebody else from Nottingham designing my blog and things, but there's not a problem with that. You know, they, um, you know, they fully support that. But I think a lot of that support comes from the fact that I'm not secretive about it. I don't, you know, every bit of freelance I've done since I've been there, they're aware of. Um, and I think, you know, I think that that's the, you know, I think I owe them that in, in for the, you know, in return for them kind of supporting the freelance in the first place. Absolutely. So you're, you're you're updating the blog at the moment. So you said you're, you're presumably you're working on your about page and all that, those kinds of things. Is there is is there any any specific issue that you have that you're worried about in terms of what you put online and how you present yourself? So because presumably what you're part of what you're doing instead of and I found this is a big difference between just saying oh I'm I'm Ian and I and I you know I'm I'm trying to get my book published and and I, I do this part time and hey you might like my blog so read on subscribe now subscribe for free yeah. etc. There's a difference between kind of that kind of informal thing then and this is something I I talked about on the podcast with Nathan Filer who's um whose novel's coming out next month and he's going to be very successful and um, I suspect um he's going to be um, a, a name to watch for the future. He was uh, talking about this and about the difference between. Um, as a creative writer, the difference from being having not having a book published and having one it kind of things change overnight, and all of a sudden the things where you just sort of you just describe yourself in a quite an informal way all of a sudden you start to think oh, I need to now represent myself i 'm an author i 'm a published author i 've got a i 've got a book and i'm i 'm a very serious person now, and I need to make sure that this is reflected in the way that I write my about page or the way that I communicate on twitter and um and you you do have this kind of these uh, these kind of preconceptions about how you need to behave do start playing on your mind far more. I've found. I mean, I think that I've not really changed a great deal, but mm. um, uh, but but I know that I feel different inside. Um, I feel like a certain weight of responsibility that I didn't necessarily have before. Um, and, and and I think the same thing probably does go when you go from just having a blog where you talk about 
your 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 writing and the stuff that you do in your day job or if you speak at a conference and uh, and then having a blog where you're actually you, it, part of its purpose is to try and generate work and to try and generate you know basically generate money for you it does there is a there is a shift in i don't know shift in mental focus for you as a as a writer i think yeah definitely i mean the biggest motivation for my kind of redesign was that i did find like i said earlier i wasn't really uh i wasn't really blogging very much and um i just wasn't very happy with it i you know i, I was a bit embarrassed to kind of share it. and it's not that the design was bad it's just um I've, I've had it for a while. And I think I just got a bit bored of it and I felt that maybe it's a bit dated. Um, so that, the biggest motivation was, was, was that really. Um, but it's only when I kind of really started to think about it um, that, I, you know, some of those issues that you just mentioned kind of came up because I, the new one, I do see it as being more than just a blog. I do see it as being kind of an advert for, uh, you know, my, my skills, my experience in a bit of a CV really. Um, you know, there's going to be some examples of, you know, writing projects that I've done and so on. Um, so I kind of, you know, it's more focused on, hey, look at me, I'm a freelancer. Uh, you know, you can pay me to write great things. But then I have to be mindful that if somebody looks at that site and thinks, oh, great, you know, we've got a three week project. I can't take on that project because I've obviously got, um, you know, if it was a full time three week project, for example, I've got a full time job. So it, it is striking that balance between, hey, I'm a freelancer. Uh, I may be able to work with you if the project is right, uh, but I'm also uh, committed to another company, uh, you know, between uh, half eight and five, uh, Monday to Friday. So it's just striking that balance. And I think, um, you know, I've got kind of, um, I'm going to have an examples page and with maybe some testimonials and the about page. It's, n- it's nothing particularly radical, but um, it is just pitching that content and that tone in, in the right way, I think. So, um that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Read about coming across like so. You talked about the people who, and it, you, you do see this so much. People who say things like, um, um, "What's the what's the stock sentence? The opinions are all mine, not the company's." Are well, yeah, basically, opinions are all yes. mine. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have that kind of feeling as well? I, it's not something I've ever. In fact, I go the I go the opposite way, and I've always spoken to the people that employ me about this and said, "Look, I'd much rather say." that I work for um, uh, the design agency I worked at before or at the moment I'd much rather have on my on my biography on Twitter or on my blog to say I work for Sheffield Hanley University because yes. it well my, my it, it ref- it's a reputable company it's you know it's quite a good thing to work for a university for example and so why not share it because it 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 reflects i think it reflects well on me now if you i I suppose it depends on how you see yourself using your social media i guess but um um for me i don't really behave differently on there uh to how i do in real life i say the same stupid stuff it's kind of a good reflection of who i am in many ways therefore i kind of think if the university felt like employing me having met me and I behave in a, the similar kind of way online then there's no real reason why there should be any huge disconnect that makes me want to sort of add this disclaimer that you know by the way if I say this don't don't tell and don't tell people who employ me don't think it's the university it doesn't I don't know I've always I've always felt a bit uncomfortable about doing that kind of thing so I've just always felt like you know it's it actually it's it's somewhere I work it's the truth and if I say something, I think that the people that follow me have the good sense to know that 
you know, if I if I comment on which I which I haven't done, but if I comment on Margaret Thatcher's funeral, for example, um, and then I I would hope that people following me have the good sense to know that I'm not re- I'm not making a statement that's coming from the university. It's quite clearly coming from me. Um, yeah. But but ha- but having said that, at the same time, I don't like I say I've not made a comment about that particular subject. Although I do have strong feelings about that particular subject, but yeah. I haven't said them because I personally I'm aware of Twitter being and other social media as being somewhere where I also talk about my writing and my and my book which doesn't really have anything to do with my political views and therefore I'm quite selective about how I combine those two elements of my life I find you know I don't really see how it's that relevant for me to be talking about Margaret Thatcher's funeral for example and I'm aware that you know I do have um, I don't particularly want to alienate people or anything in that way. But, I mean, I, that's a slightly different subject, and I am slightly waffling. But for me, uh, the idea of, of having a disclaimer about what I say is seems a bit odd. If I had had something to say that was that controversial or kind of out there, or if I suddenly wanted to start spewing filth, um, then um, I would probably open a different Twitter account called Filthy Ian. There we go. I, I mean, I completely agree with everything you said. I just, uh, for me, a lot of like the social media is just common sense anyway. And, um, you know, you see the same kind of people saying, oh, this isn't the platform for talking about politics and religion and arguing. And then they just get themselves into an argument, you know. And I just think it's just about common sense. And um, I would, I just, it makes me wonder what, what people are anticipating that they're going to say by putting something like that in their bio anyway. Um, but for me, it kind of, uh, I agree with you in that, you know, uh, I'm quite happy to say, you know, this is who I work for. Uh, I tweet from the Blue Egg account as well. So I've got a good grasp of kind of their, their tone and things. But, you know, we get quite a few people that kind of, they see um, the Blue Egg team, we've all got our own personal accounts and they see us interacting with each other uh, through Twitter. Uh, and they like, you know, they like the banter and it's not staged. We don't do it, you know, to get that kind of feedback. It's just us in the same way that we would sit around the desk in the, in the studio, uh, the way we chat to each other on Twitter, it's like you were saying, it's completely authentic. It's the way we are offline. Um, and, you know, people see that and they think, oh, I kind of like the culture and, the, you know, the fact that they get on and they're, they're friends. Uh, and people only know that because we've all got in our bio that, you know, we all work at Blue Egg and so on. Um, so, yeah, I just I just find it a bit strange that you would say, oh, uh, unless you've got a real potty mouth, you know. Uh, and but some people, you know, they're known for that, and they get away with that despite who they work for. But um, I certainly wouldn't start um, saying these are, you know, my own opinions only. Some people, of course, who have a day job that is uh, one thing, and then they might. Well, for example, some, if someone has a day job, uh, it could be us. It could be either one of us. Let's say we had the jobs that we have. We work for. We both work for clients. So when you, when you do client work, you do to a degree. You are you are um, associated with them for um, in, in one way or another. It's it's very rare that you would. I, I imagine that you would kind of make that connection and. You know, you, it's very rare that I've never seen someone say these words are my own, not my employers or, or my clients. But there is a there is a responsibility, a connection yeah. there. So if, if, if let's say we, we were doing that, and uh, but in the evenings, our our passion and our job, and why shouldn't it be, is that we are we're a political blogger, um, and um, and we do have extremely strong opinions. We use extremely um, um, hard hitting, strong language. It's all part of who we are. Um, then you can see why you might want to make a distinction between 
uh, your day job and 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 your your evening job you might you might want to make it clear that this is who I am in the evenings during the day I'm a perfectly nice <laughs> not that you can't be a nice person if you have strong opinions and write yeah. a political blog but you know I'm, you, you make a separation um but I've never really felt like I've needed to because I, I, my approach to any social media um, or promoting my promoting myself or talking about myself or writing about my book or anything like that I feel like it's all kind of one when people when people buy my when people read my blog or listen to this podcast even when they buy and read A.S. Frangelica I feel like they are getting the same thing I don't feel like there is any kind of disparity be, between my public self and my private self of course you hold things back but you know there is a there is a uh, it's essentially coming from one voice and from the same person yeah but it but it is difficult to i, I can see why some people might struggle with that and 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 writing profiles so writing an about page on on a blog and i mean and i want to go back and have a have a look at mine again and 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 just have a bit of a rethink about um the way i kind of describe myself i had to do this a little bit when i moved jobs i had to change a few things Mm. And it's really difficult to talk about yourself. It's a bit like it's extremely difficult to write a synopsis when you've written a novel or, or I guess, any book. It's very difficult to describe it in very few words. And describing yourself in very few words is, is really difficult as well. And I think you're going to have a real challenge because what the, the problem you have is, is you, you have this full-time job and, and actually you, you, you have services, but you, you're limited because of, well, for, for various reasons, but but primarily because you work during the day, so you can't take certain work on. But you want to tell everyone that you really are available for all the yeah. for work that you can do, and it's a really yeah. difficult message to get across. It is, and I, I, you know, that's what I'm in the process of now. So I haven't haven't nailed it just yet, and um, I'm sure it's gonna. Uh, have to go through a few iterations and even when it's live I'll probably still want to just rewrite the whole thing I just find about pages uh, notoriously difficult anyway Uh, but one thing I know for sure because it's one of my pet pages is I won't be writing about myself in the third person because uh, I absolutely hate that approach so you know I'm definitely going to keep it um, you know uh, as as being you know me talking about me uh, and I'm going to keep that personal tone to it uh, because when I do kind of take on copywriting projects, it's that kind of uh, more informal style that I feel most comfortable writing in anyway. Um, but yeah, I've, I came across one today. I can't think of what it was, but somebody saying uh, it was about me was kind of the, um, uh, the the name of the page. And then you went there and it was, they were talking about themselves in the third person. Um, and I just thought, oh, that's definitely not the approach I want to take. So it'll, it'll still be very much personal. Um, you know, it's not going to be this kind of really uh, high-end corporate, you know, I'm a one-man writing machine that, you know, I can take on anything. It's going to be it's still going to have that whole bloggy feel to it. Um, but I just need to step it up a notch, I think, from the existing site um, just to be a bit more, um, a little bit more professional and just uh, – have a bit more information on there, really, um, to better explain my situation between the kind of freelance employment divide. There's always more pressure as a writer to to make sure that these things are brilliantly written because you're a writer, and especially if you're selling your writing, you're selling your writing services. And um, so you've, I, I've always felt like I've needed to write brilliant about pages, or I've, every, you know, and I also feel like every blog post needs to be amazing and you know beautifully written. And um, it's 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 not really how it works, to be honest. But it's um, there is that sort of added, added pressure that comes with that. I think definitely. I mean, you know, if you, whenever I kind of look at um, design agency sites, you kind of 
think, right, well, your design should be, you know, top-notch now if you're trying to get other people to pay you to do their design. And that's how I, exactly how I feel about, you know, my words. And, you know, I want it to look the best that it can, the, the site, um, and I'm really pleased with the new design, but ultimately uh, it's there to kind of uh, sell my writing. And so, I, yeah, again, I completely agree. I've agreed with you loads tonight, but I completely agree that, um, uh, you know, feeling that pressure of, you know, people are kind of going to have an opinion about their design, but they're really going to focus on the words and, uh, you know, and kind of judge my abilities on that, I guess. And rightly so, I suppose. You know, if, if it was all for writing, then I wouldn't expect anybody to want to pay me to write for them. But, right, um, exactly. But it's, it's just difficult, yeah. And I think, yeah, there is an added pressure uh, being a writer and trying to sell that. I, um, I've recently started posting um, videos to YouTube. So I've done, I've done video stuff for years, but I've re- over the last couple of weeks I've done a, a video each week and it's been using... Gosh, can you hear that wind? Is it only me that can hear that? I can't hear anything. No. I, I think this is going to be extremely loud for you listeners and I, 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 can, I, I can, do, can do naught but apologise. Um, so I've been using doing these uh, YouTube videos and they're, they're, uh, I've got a decent camera now and they're a bit more, higher quality than, than I've done them before. I edit them in a certain way to make them a bit more engaging. And... Um, and I put them online, and I put the first one online, and got really good, really good response. Actually, I was I was really pleased. And my brother, you know, we, I, I, you know, I love for, for lots of reasons, primarily because he's my brother. And um, and um, he he wrote uh, on Twitter, just said, um, um, had to turn it off halfway through because you sound posher than you actually are, or something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's that's quite interesting because. It's kind of true. I mean, I replied by saying, I'm just enunciating, darling. And, yeah. um, uh, and it's true. That is, and, and it's the same for the podcast. I, 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 when I used to do the podcast with Mike, uh, Mike Hurley, the king of 70 decibels, we're soon moving to five by five. It's all very exciting. Mm. When I used to do the podcast with Mike, he used to kind of, we used to joke about how I, we'd have a, we'd have a conversation before, uh, <clears throat> before the recording started and I'd be kind of talking in my usual kind of very mild northern lilt. And then um, we, I would say, oh, are we ready to go? Ready to go? Here we go. We go one, two, three. And then, and then I would go, welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. Today we're going to be talking about this, that, and the other. And um, and it was just because I, I you go when you when you present yourself publicly, you, I mean, I I want to try and first of all, it's supposed to be entertaining, so you do kind of try and put an entertaining voice on. And that's what I'm trying to do with the YouTube stuff. Is you know, it's supposed to be engaging, so you do want to talk in a certain way you know try and emphasize certain things mm. um but at the same time you know i'm aware that I, I i don't have a strong accent but i do have a bit of an accent and therefore um i know that a lot of people listening are from america america as people call it and um and and so i want to make sure that people can tell what i'm saying so i try and enunciate and say the right words and of course to some people who know me that they like my brother it's kind of he couldn't bear it because he didn't feel like it was it didn't sound like me in some yes. way but uh, my opinion is despite me saying earlier that you know everything i put online is it comes from the same voice the truth is it will always be a slightly different voice to the one i'm talking about a, a general voice whether it's writing or you know out loud actual voice it's yeah. always going to be slightly different to the real you you cannot be exactly like the person you are in real life um, no. um online you have to put on a show of some sorts don't you for crying out loud yeah, but I think um, 
I mean, I think that's fine. Um, as long as you don't go too far away from who you are, um, you know, then uh, again, I think it's about finding that balance, really. Um, you know, but I think that's perfectly acceptable. I don't think you sound posh at all. <laughs> Thank you. It's very kind of you to say so. <gasps> and, and I'm not posh. You know, I'm from a, you know, from a sort of dirty little mining town in uh, the north of England. No way in the world am I posh. I would hate to be called posh. <laughs> I spit on the face of poshness. Oh. Um, I don't really. Um, yeah. Well, I think we've got, I think we've covered covered a lot of what um, I was planning to say. Is there anything you'd like to talk? Is there any, do you have any particular worries about this website? I'm worried about this website and about finding the balance. Can I be of any service? I know um, that you're a perfectly competent copywriter yourself, but... Are there any specific part of that about page that you're worried about? The whole thing, really. I might actually <laughs> um, send you a link to have a look, if you wouldn't mind. In I'd love weeks. to. But, um, it's um, yeah. In terms of the, you know the design, I'm I'm chipped to beams with that, so um, there's no problem there. It's it's just a case now of um, getting the content sorted. I mean, I've got content that exists, um, and I'm not you know I'm not rewriting everything. I'm just refining it um, because again I I've not changed that much from the existing site to the new site. Um, it's just about kind of refining it and polishing it, I guess. But um, no, I'm I'm okay at the moment. But um, I certainly think that your opinion will help. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> I've always um, I, I I when I first started writing about pages, I would always. It would always be, you know, not too long, but you know, reasonably long. You feel like you need to include. Well, I can't. You think to yourself, I can't not include this, so I'm. Yeah. You know, I need to put it in, and um, and then I would write it all, and it would just be. It would be very much about me or about a company or whatever it might be, and actually, the about page is always this. Generally, is the second most visited page on your site usually, apart from behind the home page. And, um, and if you if you think about your homepage, you tend to organise and it organise it in a way that's to pretend. Well, maybe it's to attract. Um, if you have a mailing list, you might have a real big bold button that says "Get on the mailing list" near the top, or you might be selling a specific service, so you get that right near the top. You put a lot of thought into the structure of your um, homepage in order to get people to do a specific thing so you have certain calls to action and then what you find is and what i used to do is you then go to an about page and it's just a load of text when actually yeah. it, 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 people are at that point quite early on they might like the look at the home page they might not have, they might have come through a, 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 a sub page like a blog post or something like that then gone to the about page and what you really need is quite up front is those calls to actions sort of quite quite soon up on the about page. It's a highly visited site. So you might have a, a sentence that says, my name's I'm Ian Broom and I'm brilliant, brilliant at writing, quite handsome and very good at YouTube videos too. And then your wow. next sentence would be slightly more truthful and say, subscribe here to get new blog posts or subscribe here to get on the mailing list. And then you would go on to the next bit and say, so my background is in this, that and the other. So it's about getting calls to action near the top instead of just using it as a purely information driven site so that's my one piece of advice that you didn't ask for thank you uh, which i'll take on board because i what i find with them um, i've you know i've had a few blogs over the years and things and uh every time i do write the about i've never had an about page that i'd be happy with. um every time i do write it i kind of i'll put down it's exactly what you said again you know oh, i can't not put that in if i've mentioned that and so on and i, I end up looking at it and i think wow that just reads like a really boring cv so i just tend to check in that i own two cats and i like monster munch and then I suddenly think, right, that's much more informal. And hey, look at me, I'm a fun guy. I lose my personality, and then I just get, I just get fed up for working on it, then and just put it live. 
Um, so I'm trying to like break that horrible process of, um, of doing that. Um, but also it's not just the about pages for myself that I struggle with. Uh, every time I, you know, if I write for a client, whether it's, you know, as part of Blue Egg or Freelance, it's always their about pages that I find the most difficult too. Um, I just think they're, they're little, uh, yeah, I just think they are difficult generally. They are quite tricky, but I think the most important thing we need to find out now is which your favourite flavour, uh, what's your favourite flavour of Monster Munch? Because I know that you like them, because I have read that sentence many times. I like your... stick it everywhere, see? This is just me thinking that I'm a really cool guy by putting that, and that I've got two cats. Um, that's probably something I won't stop doing, unfortunately. Uh, my favourite flavour is uh, pickled onion. Is it now? Because yeah, that's interesting. Beef and then flaming Hot. So you actually have a top three in a specific order? Yeah, but I was reading BuzzFeed earlier, and they had um, a, there's a new post on there, something 26 things you'll never eat again, basically just discontinued foods. And uh, amongst that list was uh, vanilla ice cream-flavoured Monster Munch. Crikey. Yeah, so you can see why they stopped making them, kind of just the sound of them. Well, but, yeah, um, but I mean, I like vanilla ice cream, and I do like Monster Munch, so... you. Put them together, though, Ian. Put them together. It's it's not going to work. No, I don't think it will work. I mean, I personally, I'm into. Ro- I was always a roast beef man, but um, uh, my wife is a, a a huge fan. It's got to be in her top ten favourite things in the entire world. Is pickled onion monster munch, and it takes about half an hour to eat them. It's it's fairly disgusting. I don't think she'd mind me saying. <laughs> she probably would mind me saying that, but I don't suspect if she does listen to this, that she'll listen this far through. There we go. Um, yeah, so there we are. Indeed. What, what better way to end a podcast? Well, thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you for having me again. No problem. Um, and where can we find you on the internet? Um, well, if you go to robertmills.me, you'll see the existing blog, uh, and hopefully it won't be too long before it's the uh, the sparkly new blog. Um, I write for the Blue Egg blog, which is blueegg.co.uk, and uh, information about the book I've written is on fivesimplesteps.com. And it's called again. Reminders. It's called Design in the Invisible. It's the uh, it's the bright blue cover. Fantastic. And um, I'm Ian Broom, and you spell that I A I N B O O M E. So you can find me there on Twitter, or you can go to ianbroom.com to find out uh, more about me and the uh, more episodes of the podcast and all that kind of thing. You can also find them on Seventy Decibels, of course. And um, and I, and I think that's it. Thanks again, Rob. Thank you. And I'll speak to you all soon.